With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Michael Lagello on location, which is apparently a good thing because the Buffalo City Hall was raided by the FBI yesterday. Hmm. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology, just enjoying the nice weather. And I am Eklund. It's a beautiful, beautiful fall day. Um, you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And uh, we started right off the top today because we wanted to get into everything. And uh, from what I understand, in the chat room, I'm being told that Mike and Russ have been, this week have been downplaying the Isles streak. Um, we've been downplaying I mean, the Isles streak. Is that true? We we said it exists. We gave all the credit to Barry Trotz. We I know it exists. Well, I'm just going through the list. Okay. We, we said that. Everybody's bought into it. We did say they don't have enough offense. They don't have enough offense, but they're they're winning games. Like, what else do they want us to say? Yeah, I guess we're not going to call them the best team in hockey because they're not. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, do I think this is for real? No, but I have to give them credit because they've won ten games in a row. But hmm, let me see, a team that won ten games in a row and then finished de- almost dead last for the remainder of the regular season. Mm, who was that? Oh, the Buffalo Sabers. That happened last year. All right. Yes, but this team, this team made the playoffs last year. This is a good team, um, right? But uh, but uh, but the question is, and I think they have more. He has more points now uh, than the last time I looked, which was last Saturday. But do you think a team that has a top scorer with ten points, which Josh Bailey had when they played Buffalo last Saturday, it, you know they need more scoring? If they don't get more scoring, I don't think. I think still think they're a borderline team to make the playoffs. Can can Grice and Varlamov continue at a nine thirty save percentage? I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, and you know, and I, my, my story today is going to be a little bit talking about talking about um, Robin Leonard too, which is you know another obviously had a great year last year with that Islanders. That Islanders team defense really looks like it makes goalies look good, right? I mean, there's no mm-hmm. question about that. Um, and you know that that that's something that Barry Trotz's teams have done forever, and you know in Nashville too. So it's not a new thing with with Trotz Barry Trotz run teams. I think this is I think this is way more impressive than last year. I want to say for the Islanders, I'm going to give them a lot of props here because. Last year, people definitely did not expect that they were going to be much of anything, you know, and then they had just lost John Tavares and everyone was saying, this is it. Um, to me, this streak is they're doing it now and everybody knows that they're good. So they really do. I mean, this is way harder than last year. It's, it's, this is the year that I thought everybody would be like, okay, well, the Islanders aren't going to take anybody by surprise and we're going to have to fight everything in the typical, all the typical hockey cliches we talk about all the time. Um, and yeah, and instead – What's happening is they are actually they're they're just they're even at a better pace than they were last year right now right so that to me is a hell of a sign and although they don't have a lot of offense I agree with you and though they they did try they did try their best to get Panarin in the summer and maybe he wishes he went there right about now no I don't think so but I'm just saying um they um they they are still trying to get help too and I don't think I don't think that Lou is completely 100% set on this offense at all, and I think that you'll still see them try to do things. Although I did write a little while ago, and I do believe this to be true, that um, when talking to people on the island, they said that Lou had said that they were, they were early in the season, they were very much looking to get offense to add to the team. 
Well, just a perfect example is last year, like when they faced Carolina, right? The right. first game was one nothing. They lost. The second game was two one. Then they lost five two. Then they lost five two. And that's probably what would happen with this exact lineup in the playoffs again if they played Carolina, simply because you can't play every game one nothing two one when you don't have offensive push. That is their problem. It's going to Espe continue, especially yeah. in a division where you're going to play probably. Pittsburgh, when Malkin comes back and they're fully healthy, uh, and Crosby, or Washington, who's been an absolute freaking juggernaut so far this season. I'm not taking anything away from the Islanders. They deserve all the credit in the world for what they've done so far. But do I think it's for real? No, I don't. I don't. They have to prove it to me. I know last year is a completely different thing. I mean, they had Leonard, who stoned people blind for, for half the year, and he's no longer there anymore. Can Varlamov stay healthy? Can they get enough offense? Will they keep Noah Dobson on defense, or they send him send him back to junior or wherever he has to go to right. not uh, burn a year of entry level? There are a number of questions that have to be asked about the Islanders. Yeah, I mean, but right now, they yeah, you know, they deserve yeah, credit. Just remember, I mean, Varlamov didn't even get. I don't even think he played in the playoffs for Colorado after having a good season because of his injury. So if Grice were your your number one playoff guy, how many series can they go with Thomas Grice in that? Come on, Eck, tell us. How many series can they go with Thomas Grice in net? Yeah. Um, well, I think they can go – I mean, yeah, if Arlamov's hurt, you're right. They're in trouble. I agree. Okay. But if uh, Arlamov's healthy in the playoffs – Yeah, that could make a difference. Yeah, they could – I mean, Arlamov is the kind of guy who can get hot, right? We know yeah, that. We've if seen it. Hot, that, that, that's, that's the key, right? Grice – I mean, I think Grice can win around, definitely, like he did last year. Or not, he didn't do last year. Leonard – I mean, I've, you know you know me. Last year I was on the Grice bandwagon. And uh -huh. long, and I, I'm a big. I've been a big fan of Grice ever since he was in San Jose. I, San Jose. I, I really do believe in the guy. I think he's. I think he's a better than a better than your average backup. Put it that way. And he's proving that right. So he's proving that he's better than your average backup. Um, and uh, so they're saying you're 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 a bi biased Rangers fan. Right, right. I know that's not true, but um, it, uh, truth you should have seen how much I wrote about John Tavares before. Just grew up on the island. Don't forget that. I did, but. You've People forget like how much I pushed that the Islanders should get Tavares, how he could turn their franchise around. Like, whatever. I'm just telling you the truth. If you want to ask me the truth about the Rangers, we could do that next. Yeah, all right. Is it the system? All right. Is it the, that's what someone in there saying? Is it the system? A lot of it is the system, yes. A lot of it is the system. I mean, I think the system the system is a huge thing in hockey. There's no two ways about it. It, you know, for years, this it was the system that kept the Detroit Red Wings, you know being able to go with like you know with, with chris osgood in goal for example like i thought and win stanley cups i mean i think osgood's a good goalie too but i don't think he's your you know i'm not on the osgood should be in the hall of fame bandwagon even though i love the guy as a guy i just think osgood should not be in you know that i think that this is it is the system there's no question about it but the system only works if the goalie can give the team the confidence to play the system too that's you have to remember that. okay that here, here's the confidence hold on like i'm seeing you know and again a fan posted ticket prices for the other night, right? Six dollar mm -hmm. seats for the Islanders. So how come the fans well, haven't bought into this? Well, yeah. I, and I, I, I have no way of confirming this, so maybe one of you can look. Um, I thought I heard because the the Leafs play in on Long Island next Wednesday for right. the yeah. now the third time that Tavares did that game get moved to Nassau Coliseum or is that one of Barclays? Um, I don't know. Maybe somebody in the chat room might know, um, for sure. I mean, Thomas goes to most of these games in there, I think. Um, but let's. Uh, I mean, we'll kind of move, move on from that and get and and get to um, 
Well, well, let me let me because you mentioned you mentioned Detroit, yeah. Um, and there was a, a it's a minor deal, but I think it's an interesting deal. We should all talk about, yeah, yeah. The uh, I mean, not a, not a consequential deal, but uh, names that we both we all know. Robbie Fabry traded from the uh, Blues for Jacob De La Rose. Now De La Rose was a former second round pick of the Canadians. Um, was picked up, I believe, on waivers by Detroit last year. Um, actually, I had more hopes for De La Rosa being more of an impact player, but it seems that he's going to be more of a fourth, you know, third, fourth liner at best. Fabry, Russ, I mean, it's a situation where the first couple years, he looked like he could be, I don't know about a star, but a really good player and has just yeah. gone in the wrong direction. Yeah, I just think he needed a change of scenery. I'm going to leave it at that, and we'll see what happens in his next location. He's got the talent. But, you know, if you remember, they barely played him. I don't even know if he played a game in the Stanley Cup. I don't think he did. I don't think he did. Yeah, he did, he, he did after Robert Thomas got hurt. Oh, that's right. So when Thomas okay. got hurt, otherwise he wasn't going to play. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely been one of those guys. Uh, the Islanders are listed as Nassau Coliseum, so that's what the, that's the response is. Yeah, so there we go. Um, uh, yeah, I think I, – I, I mean – Fabry is one of those guys like having St. Louis Blues fans as friends, you know, who before they won the Stanley Cup was like was a big focus of my friends in St. Louis. Like Fabry was always one of those guys. When's he going to get hurt? When's he going to come up? He's always hurt. He's, he's he plays a great game. He looks fantastic. He, then he gets hurt again, and it was it seemed like it was such a soap opera in St. Louis. I think you're right. This is a case where a guy needs to change the pace, um, and you know, just have to get out of that situation. That, that situation is not healthy for him at all. Um, it really isn't. Uh, so moving on to um for a second um and I I mean I, I I'm really looking forward to seeing how it goes and it is interesting because it is Steve Eiserman right so that gives you something too like Eiserman makes little moves like this and he made some of these kind of moves in Tampa that really that really did end up turning Tampa into a into a into a solid team I think he looks for these kind of um yeah no doubt right there's no question about it he's this is what he's doing he's really good at well uh, he's I, I, he's doing what he can do without. I mean, because, and we said this when Kevin was on the show a couple of days ago, the moves that Eiserman has to make are the moves that will be the toughest. And yeah. that is moving out Franz Nielsen, Abdelkader, Helm, yeah. maybe Glenn Denning, trading some of the, the rental defensemen like Mike Green or Trevor, Trevor Daly. Those right. are the moves that, that are, you know, he has to do that will define his, you know, his tenure in Detroit. You know, but he's made these other moves like getting Adam Ernie, bringing in Perlini, now bringing in Fabry. These are low risk, you know, guys on short term deals, guys who are being given an opportunity to like to restart their career. And if he hits on one of them, it's yeah. successful because, you know, then he gets a player basically for nothing. But let's talk about Detroit for a minute because they did play the Rangers yesterday and like Tony D'Angelo ate them up. Basically, yeah. the Rangers ate them up like they. Detroit is one of the worst teams that I've seen in years. I think even when the Sabres were trying to tank, they may have been better than Detroit. I mean, Jimmy Howard gave up just an awful goal. Like, they they really – there's not much there. And, and look, they have some good players, but I saw, like, Adam Ernie's in front of the net. There's only so much he can do. Like, there's not that many guys who can even shoot the puck to get yeah. it on net. Athanasio looks good, you know. Yeah. You know, they have, like, four good players, and the rest are really just guys you're filling in, guys like Joe Hicketts who have been in the minors for years. They, You know, they finally elevate them. You know, these guys are okay, but when you put a whole team of them out there, you are guaranteed to come in last. But, but, Russ, but Russ, it was rivalry night. Yeah. 
1950, it was a rivalry. Yeah, I mean, there's still two of the original six teams, right? I mean, this is like yeah. my dad was a was a grew up a Detroit Red Wings fan. Gordie Howe was his favorite player. He lived in Collingswood, New Jersey, and would ride his bike to Madison Square Garden when the, when the Red Wings came to town. So he would ride, you know, from he would ride his bicycle from Collingswood, New Jersey to. How many, and and what would that take? A half a day, a day? Yeah, it would take. It would take. I think it took him like four or five hours. I think. Was it in the snow? No, it wasn't in the snow. Okay. But it was definitely one of those things. I mean, it took more than that, probably. It took yeah, more. it took more. I'm, I'm, you know, he never really talked about how long it took. He wasn't that kind of guy, but he definitely did it a lot. And um, I, I saw the, all the ticket stubs and everything like that. He was definitely one of those guys who that was the only way to get there. And he was a huge bike bicyclist. So that was a fun, um, fun time, you know. And 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 that so that at that point, you know, there was definitely the Red Wings and Rangers. Yeah, sure, they were a thing. And you know, they have been in recent years too, but you know when both teams were, were still. Solid. I mean, the last time they had a good rivalry was, and I was at a game at in the blue seats in the Garden when Ty Domi fought um, Joey Coaster. They had three fights that night. That was the last ditch effort of their rivalry. After that, it started to wane. And but yeah. that was that was a good rivalry night, and and that was in the nineties. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's a lie. It's a long time ago. Long time ago. Nineties are a long time ago now. <laughs> um, they're over. They're the nineties. Doesn't are, sound like it is, but it is. It really is. Like someone born in nineteen. Tell me about it. Drink. You know, someone who born in nineteen ninety nine can legally drink or something. Like, or no, nineteen. Yeah, nineteen ninety eight. Right. So there you yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Robin Leonard for a second today because I um. You know, I, as you guys know, last year I was on the Grice bandwagon, you know, and Robin Leonard, you know, wasn't, I, I really was kind of upset when they played Robin Leonard in all the playoff games. I thought Grice deserved more of a shot on the mm -hmm. island. And that meant nothing against Robin Leonard. I was kind of surprised when he got the Vezina voting. Um, and I've never, even going back, you know, to Buffalo and um, what was it, Ottawa before that, right? I've, um, I've really, I've never really been a real Leonard fan. Like I, he plays a weird style, a weird style of goalie. Um, he looks very out of position to me. Looks like he's guessing a lot. Um, and I've always kind of been rough on him. And so I was the other day when we were on the show, I, I was looking at his numbers. And I was like, whoa, hold on a second. You know, this guy has been like, you would think, like, if you watch the Chicago Blackhawks, just the highlights, he lets up, you see the goals he lets up. You're thinking to yourself, Robin Leonard's been terrible this year because he really does let up weird goals and and what seem like bad goals and his reaction to them is always emotional. He's like one of those goalies that's just as, you know, frustrated by everything. And that always, I'm not a big fan of frustrated goalies. So, um, Bruce Golub is my, my sister, who was at my sister's dentist yesterday, speaking of which. Um, anyway. that update. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so that, but this is the kind of difficulty that I've never. Did he have a root canal or, or a bridge? He, um, he has a lot of good teeth, he said, apparently. Apparently, my sister works there at the dentist. Um, anyways, here we go. Um, Robin Leonard this year, you know, the Hawks are nine points out of a playoff spot. They are, everyone knows I kind of picked them to be the, you know, to win the division. This is the most wrong I could have been at this point, but I never picked in a million years that, you know, that at this point we have um, John Tavares would have eight points, you know, like that's like, that's me, not John Tavares. I'm sorry. Jonathan Taves. Thank you. Jonathan Taves would have eight points, right? Or yeah. And, and, and going into the weekend, he had two, you know, he didn't have no, he didn't even string gold until this past weekend. He didn't even string point till this past weekend. That's this guy had 81 points last year. I thought at least he would be, how do you go from so hot to so cold so quickly? Right. Um, but Robin Leonard, um, is you know when you look at the, in the nine games he's played he's three three and two and his save percentage is nine thirty five puts him at fifth in the NHL in save percentages his goals against is two thirty three is which is twelfth among the um among the the uh, fifty goalies who played this uh, no I'm sorry the sixty five goalies who played this year 
Yeah. So well, that, if you think about it, I mean, they have an awful defense, and I just looked it up. They have the worst offense in the NHL. I want that to sit, settle in for a minute, and just, and that's why Jeremy Colleton's job will be in trouble because they have the fewest goals in the NHL. Period. Yeah, fewest goals. Period, and that is crazy because they have. They should not have that. You know, they have um, they have plenty of talent in there. Plenty, plenty of offensive talent besides, besides you know, Jonathan Taves, who is should not go down this far. I mean, he's getting a little bit better lately, you know, um, but he's he's this, this is crazy. It's just crazy. So, and then when you look at Crawford as well, like the other goalie, right? You compare him to Corey Crawford, it becomes even more eye opening because Crawford's one in four. He's got like a three seven four goals against average and an eight eighty three save percentage, which is like sixtieth among sixty five goalies. So you're looking at such a drastic difference between Leonard and Crawford this year. It's incredible. I mean, they're only three three and two at home. Just think about that. Yeah, I know. I know. This is a and that place. No one can. No one can win it usually. So well. The, so let me go ahead. I finish my thought here. The the thing that you really you have to think about here is you've got a team in Chicago that you know still believes they can do something, um, and then you have a team. You know, and you still have talent on there. You still have players. You obviously have defense. We've talked plenty about that, the, the Seabrook and Duncan Keith, you know, down thing, downturn. But um, in Leonard, you have perhaps one of the more interesting trade deadline possibilities for people um, because he really is, if the Hawks are not going to make the playoffs, you know, he's there, you know, on a real short-term deal, just um, kind of to, he was kind of goalie that got left out last year in the goalie, in the goalie, you know, great goalie shuffle or whatever. And, um, and he's, you know, and I talked to somebody in Chicago, and they said the thing about him was that the team had play, plays more confident in front of him. And I know we've talked about this a lot. Russ and I have talked about this a lot, too, in the press box of how, like, I'm a big fan of the fact that confident goalies make the whole team play better. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's a huge difference. And I've been trying – for years I've been trying to find a way statistically to quantify confidence in your goalie, which is a really hard thing to do, right? So I've been trying to think of what is what could that possibly be. And, and then I came up with something that I think is close. And you can you guys tell me if you think – if you like it or not. Um, and you guys in the chat room, I would love to hear this as well. And then we'll move on to other things. But I um, I think, you know, what tells me something about a goalie is how many sh goals he allows on the power play. All right. So, like, you know, you're, you're, your goalie is your best penalty killer. So if you have a good, if you have a goalie who's going to allow fewer goals on the power play, that means, you know, you don't know, they don't keep the stats, or at least I'm able to find them, the stats of how many times a team takes a, takes a penalty with a certain goalie in net. But you would think a team – is that that's not confident in their goalie is definitely going to take more penalties because they're going to try to stop. They're going to pull, they're going to hook, they're going to be afraid. They're going to be nervous. Um, and they're going to be edgy and they're going to, they're not going to just trust the guy if he's around them that he's going to, you know, the goalie's going to make the stops. So no, not knowing how many, how many times they've given up goals. I looked at Leonard's Leonard, Leonard has given up 19 goals, not, not knowing how many times they've given up power plays, I should say. Leonard's given up 19 goals in his nine games. And only two of them have come down, come, come when the team's been shorthanded. So he's only given up two goals. Um, shorthanded. And then Crawford has given up 22 goals um, in six games and seven of them have come shorthanded. So you can immediately think that, okay, either, either they're taking way more penalties <laughs> with Crawford in goal or Crawford right. not living up to what he has to do because he's played in less games. And I think there's something to that statistic. Like I think there's something to that goals allow statistic, um, you know, and on the shorthanded because it shows, you know, first of all, just even beyond all other things, if you're, if you're not giving up, goals on the, on the penalty kill, you know, your goalie's playing pretty darn well. Like, mm -hmm. uh, and, and that gives you confidence. You're coming out, you kill a penalty off that gives the team confidence and the goalie has to be a big part of it. Leonard is really a kind of goal whose goalie, whose style is suited for penalty killing. Like he is very big. He is very much, you know, you're going to have to put him. Positionally. That's why I think he's set up for that because yeah. a lot of times when teams 
work the power play. Goalies can figure it out. If there is a yeah. certain rotation and a certain way they do it, a goalie can anticipate. The only time a goalie can't figure out the power play is when you have guys that actually move around a lot and you take away his eyes. Otherwise, a goalie can figure out how you're doing the power play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I totally agree with that. And I think this – so I'm going to go through and look at some of the other goalies in the next couple of days and see if there's anything to this confidence thing. I mean, if there's a stat or if there's a place that tracks how many point-blank – scoring chances they're giving up. I'm pretty sure the Blackhawks are close to the league leader in that. They really are. And and, that, and well, that, you see the highlights of the goals against. You see Leonard as frustrated. You don't necessarily – not necessarily frustrated by that goal he gave up, but he's frustrated by the fact he's had to make so many saves. Right, you make seven saves, and all of a sudden you make one that doesn't look great, and it's like, ugh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, the, the interesting thing about the, the Blackhawks goaltending situation is you have both two goalies – making around the same amount of money and both are UFAs at the end of the year. And I know that Elliot Friedman reported about a month ago that there were a couple players in the league who essentially the GMs have a contract in the drawer ready to sign after January 1st when uh, uh, like a UFA or an RFA can sign an extension. One of them was, is, was uh, Russ's favorite, Kevin LeBanc in, in San Jose, because he signed a $1 million contract and they're going to extend him because they didn't have the cap space to do it this year. The other one, according to Friedman, was Leonard. That Leonard, you know, essentially that if there's going to be a trade, now he didn't say this, but I'm, I'm drawing conclusions. Yeah. If they're going to trade a UFA guy, it's going to be Crawford because Crawford has been chronically injured the last couple of years. And if he stays yeah. healthy, maybe some team that's looking to add up a goalie with playoff experience could trade for Crawford. But I think Leonard... I think Leonard is a keeper for the Blackhawks. No, I do too. And I think, honestly, at this point in Crawford's career, I think he'd be okay with, hey, if he goes there, he has to kind of prove it and maybe even split time. I think he'd be okay with that. Yeah, maybe he would. I mean, I, I mean, I think I think you make a good point, Mike, in that Crawford obviously has – he's won Stanley Cups. I mean, you know, he's got that huge – that you don't get – you don't often get a chance to make – if you can get a backup who has won Stanley Cups – you know, I th that I, I go back to the days of um, like the Flyers and Chico Resch when he was back behind Hextall. You know, like Resch was, you know, he was he was on those Islanders teams that won Stanley Cups. He wasn't usually the he wasn't Billy Smith was the guy, but you know, the idea was that that definitely. I mean, Crawford is absolutely being held together. Someone said in the chat room, being held together by duct tape, and I totally agree. Crawford is there's no question. He is just. I mean, there were people this year that really thought Crawford was going to retire before the season started. There were many people who thought that. And I wonder is if this continues like this, how long that'll go. You know, and like and he and he may you know he may well very well retire and end his career as strictly a Blackhawk. And you know, I I mean, he, two Stanley Cup winners. We were talking about Osgood before. It's like okay, which one of the two Stanley Cup winning goaltenders that have not a, they're not in the Hall of Fame right now? Crawford, Barrasso, Osgood, make the Hall of Fame. Um, Barrasso would, would make it over the Hall of Fame. We talked about this the other night. Yeah. I mean, Bar Bar Barrasso, I mean, let's just say his personality or the, his, the, 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 uh, the, his reputation in terms of a, in terms of his personality rhymes with his name. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I like that. No, that's, I mean, that's, that, but that's well, that's well established. I mean, a lot of people yeah. think that the only thing keeping him from the Hall of Fame is that he's been, I know, you know caustic yeah, with the media. The media. Caustic yeah. with the media. Yeah. I kind of like, I remember, 
I I'm a, I never covered Raza. I think Mike, you did. I mean, Russ, you did maybe. No, I I never I never had the pleasure. Before time right, like a little bit before time maybe. Um, before my no, time. Was just just before me. Yeah, so I mean, I never, and but I but I heard about the stories, and you know, I never pictured about the stories. You know, that he was just this, that he was just a terrible guy to deal with. And Buffalo is obviously notorious when he was in Buffalo as being a terrible guy. In Pittsburgh, I heard he was a little bit better, but still, just like a nasty character, which is you know, which I get. I mean, that's that's you know. <laughs> the media hates those kind of guys. And it's interesting because that was a time period when the media really wasn't like now you would hear a lot more of that kind of stuff. Oh you, yeah. You imagine if Twitter was around with Barrasso, like you would have heard like, how Oh no. Yeah. He, he, a lot was let go. Tons, tons, tons. I mean, Russ, he, I, I would, I would equate him with Jim Rice in baseball. I mean, in terms yeah. of, yeah. you know, a board, a borderline hall of famer and eventually he got in, but he had to wait what 50, or 20 years because yeah. the media hated his guts. But yeah, so in order, in order for him to get in the Hall of Fame, Brass to get in the Hall of Fame, somebody's going to have to champion him. You know, and I'm not, and I don't know who's on the committee right now, like as far as the Hall of Famers go, Hall of Fame committee, because it changes all the time. But I remember like when, talking to Eric Tahashik about this a while ago, and I think he's off the committee now because you're on for a certain amount of years. And um, yeah, that, that was the whole thing. Someone has to champion, and then someone has to go into that meeting and explain why, you know. I think I don't think explaining why is tough for Brasa, but someone championing him—that's going to be tricky. Yeah, it would have to be somebody probably from within Pittsburgh's organization, I would guess, like somebody like Rutherford or somebody like that. You know that who you know who's. Or there. well, I would be surprised if he doesn't have a big champion in Scotty Bowman. Scotty Bowman drafted him in Buffalo as an 18 right. he won rookie of the year as an 18 year old in Buffalo, and then then Bowman got traded. I, I believe he was he was either GM or coach in Pittsburgh when they traded for him and he won two Stanley Cup. Although they might've been, I think he would have been GM and Bob Johnson might've been coached the first year, but, but Bowman probably had a hand in bringing him. So I would be surprised if, if, if Bowman wasn't a champion of Barrasso in terms of his uh, making this, you know, getting, getting into the hall of fame. Yeah. 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 That could be, um, I have a couple of other interesting things that just from last night, sort of around the, around the leagues some fun stuff I found. Um, mm -hmm. the, uh, the Canadians, okay. Who are in town tonight to play the flyers. I'm going to be going to that game, um, are fourth in goals for per games played. Um, despite ha not having a player in the top 50 in the NHL in points. Um, so this, I mean, it's obviously just doing a balanced scoring there in Montreal, but that to me is something, that we've seen that, you know, this is the reason that Canadians are doing this is Jerry just getting scoring from all over the place. And the reason that I think that they are the place that you're most likely to see Jesse Puyarvi end up, um, in my opinion, I think Montreal is the place for him. Montreal also has, remember, you know, and we talk about both situations, but Puyarvi is problem in the NHL was not, was not just that he wasn't maybe ready to play it. His problem was very, um, social as far as you know learning about north america and stuff like that and then being kind of like in edmonton which is sort of you would think kind of like a finnish type town but 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 still very you know not a lot of Finns on that team and stuff like that the canadians have well, four or five Finns on their team um well it's weird it's weird that you mentioned montreal because i mean they haven't been mentioned before but the teams that have been mentioned over the last couple of weeks carolina with aho teravinen you know, you've got a support structure there that, you know, Finns. Um, there was a report, I believe it was Chris Johnston from Sportsnet on Saturday that said the Rangers were in, interested in Pugliarvi. And obviously they have Kako, who's the number two overall pick. They essentially want somebody coming in there who 
you know, a, a countryman who maybe, you know, be able to play with them. I mean, that makes sense. Montreal would make sense, but again, it's the return that Ken Holland is looking for. And um, I mean, I, I get the feeling based on what he would be looking for from say a Carolina. Um, I don't, I don't know if the pr- the price he's asking for is commensurate with what teams are willing to pay for a guy who's a question mark right now. He's playing great in the finished yeah, league, but I mean, I'll, I'll be honest though, I don't even think the Rangers would trade for him yeah. because I have very little doubt that David Quinn would play him. I mean, as an example, lately, Leas Anderson can't get over ten minutes, you know, eleven minutes in a game. He's got he's gotten played as few as eight forty eight. And as high as 10.50, well, 13 minutes one game, but he's been right around the 10-minute mark lately. And it's like, you know, what are they going to do with Payarvi? If he doesn't score right away, Quinn's going to do the same thing. So I don't think it would be great for him. I mean, Russ, if, if, you're, uh, if you're Jeff Gordon, are you trading an Anderson, a Cheadle, uh, a, a young defenseman, are you trading that for no. Pugliarvi, who's a question mark? No, right. because I already see how the coach is sort of working with these young guys. I could trade one of them that the coach isn't using, but this next guy could turn into that same same issue. So, no, I would not trade assets for that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, if, and, right and if you're, if you're – Car- the right team. Right, and if you're, if you're Carolina, they're probably – you know, Carolina probably wants to offer one of their excess defensemen like Flurry right. or Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Um, I probably, I would doubt that they would trade a guy like Jake Bean. Um, so, so, you know, and you know, Fleury's had a couple chances in the NHL. Um, Ben Reemsdyke's making over $2 million. So they, they want to tear down some of their salary. I mean, with Montreal, who, okay. Again, who are you trading? You trading Ryan Paling? You want to be honest? I think think when he gets traded because it's gone this long, that he's going to end up getting traded for something like a conditional second. I don't even know. I'm with you, Russ. I'm totally with you. And I think right now, that's I've, right now I've heard you know that the price is high, but of course Holland has no reason not to keep it super high right now. Right. Help him at all. Like there's no point in trading him right now. Um, the point is, you know, that things teams will get more desperate. It's got to be before the end of December, obviously. But you don't have a lot of. You know, you have a ton of time for that happens, and he's not on your team. So it's like he's not playing for you. So there's no reason for him to keep the price, not to keep the price really high. But then there's going to come a point at which I think he's going to sit back and say, we got to get some of this guy. Because if he plays a whole year in Finland and isn't impressive, then, uh, you know, and he, he's been – And his value is shot. What was that? If he does that, then his value is shot. Totally shot. But he has been impressive. He's got 11 goals in 18 games with Carpat. Um, and, and, and actually the time is running up because of the, the, and I know this because of the Neilander situation last year, it's December one at five o'clock at right. four at five yeah. o'clock on December one. If he's not traded, then he can't play in the NHL next year. And they, and it can't be that they wait until four fifty nine or whatever on December one, because then the other team has got to sign him to be able to uh, get him to play in the NHL. So, I mean, I, I think the deal is going to happen. But I think I think Collins going to have to lower his price because if he's holding out for like a first round pick or a player who was a first round pick, I don't think he's, he's getting there. that. And that right, and that's and that's sad because this is a number this is a number four overall pick. Yeah, it's a number, a number four, and and a lot of people are saying, you know, I mean, yeah, he, I mean, I've heard a lot of people talk about Winnipeg a lot, you know, like okay, you bring him in there. Obviously, he and Patrick Line were 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 a dynamic duo for Finland 
you know, and they really, they really had a lot of chemistry together. That might. Sure, might but if you want to be more real, that was in the past. Right. If, if Pugliarvi were doing what he's doing right now in the AHL, his trade value would be much higher because then teams would be like, look, we see he's doing it in North America. The, the style of play is similar. It's right. not that big of a reach. Right. In Liga, it's a bit of a reach. It's not a huge reach, but there is a reach factor that some yeah. GMs are not going to want to, you know, go deep in on. Yeah. And 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 apparently there are NHL general managers going over to Europe. Uh, he's going to be involved in, I think it's called the Karjala Cup. Yeah. Um, and, and now, you know, okay, it's all fine and good that he dominates there, but, I mean, it's like the Spangler Cup. I mean, who cares? Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying it's like it's not NHL caliber, and if it's not NHL caliber, then it really proves nothing. I mean, the fact that he scored 11 goals in 18 games in the Finnish league is great. It's better than him scoring no goals. Yeah. But it's it's still a question of whether he can translate that into being effective at the NHL level. I mean, it's similar to like when guys go and dominate the World Championships; they get a contract, but they get a very meager contract. They don't get great contracts coming yeah. off of that. You don't, you don't, you really don't. He's got to, he's got to show he can do it in North America. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. And he's got to show he can. The day he does. Yeah, he's really. That's the that's the whole bottom line. He really, really does. Um, okay, here's something that you guys will be happy to laugh in my face about. So I thought I would bring this up because you know. Well, you we, know. I, we don't. I always want to say we don't look for those moments. They just pop up. I know. I know. I'm really. Believe me, my wife says the same thing. Um, <laughs> they right. just they just happen, and then we're overjoyed when they do. I know. Um, James Neal. Um, mm. the last, uh, nine games has one assist and is a minus 10. All right. So we talked about, you know, off the incredible start and I, I was, you know, one, re one of the reasons I picked Edmonton there, I thought James Neal would have a nice rebound. And I was, of course, didn't think he'd have the rebound he had in the beginning of the season, which was insanity. But, um, and now it probably is like, you know, it's even a doubt, but, but this is the kind of thing that is just crazy. Like to me, like that a player can go that hot and that cold in the course of the first 20 games of, a, of an NHL season. Like he that. just did the opposite in Calgary. Like he just never got hot. Right. So he stayed cold because he has these huge bouts of inconsistency. That's James Neal in, a, in it right yeah. now. This yeah. Minus 10. Like, you know, yeah. that's like that number is just the one point is one thing. And minus 10 is another. That's just an enormous. I, mean, I don't know who was on his line at this point. He's been moving around a lot lately. Yeah. Because he's yeah I think he's, he's, playing, he's playing with Nugent Hopkins, I believe. Still, yeah. you shouldn't be a minus 10 with Nugent Hopkins, honestly. Yeah, Nugent Hopkins is a well, player. Well, I was going to bring up, because there were only two games in the, in the league last night, and the, the Blues are red hot, and they played the Oilers. And Russ, Connor McDavid, 21 minutes, 42 seconds. Leon Dreisaitl, 23 minutes, 26 seconds. These guys are gonna croak. They're oh, playing them too much. They're playing them too much, and you're starting to see it. I mean, they—I I watched it, uh, about two periods of this game, and they were simply outclassed. And it's other than, other than the times that McDavid and Drysaddle were on the ice, the Blues completely outclassed them. And this is the point: they may have two of the top ten players in the league. They got nothing else after that, and their goaltending is not good enough to hold them in the games. No, it's true. I did watch a couple big chunks of that game. For one thing, nobody says croaks anymore, but I appreciate it. It's a blast from the past. Uh, that first goal by Jake Allen, I hated, but I will say this. He did batten down the hatches the rest of the game. So that one, I think, sort of shocked him because that wasn't Comic David's finest goal. It just was a goal Jake Allen, I think, gave up short side that he probably just needed to hug the post a little better. 
But I will tell you, Mike Smith gave up some bad goals. Yeah. Mike yeah, Smith yeah. did not look settled. They had no problem pointing out Mike Smith on the uh, Blues broadcast on things he was doing wrong because they had Darren Pang right there. Darren Pang can see what you're doing wrong. He knows. Yeah. Yeah. No, he definitely. Yeah, he, he did him wrong in the NHL before before Mike Smith. Just kidding. Just kidding, Derek. Um, next up um, tonight, um, obviously, you have Toronto and um, Vegas. And, uh, yeah. And, and a, a little interesting thing before we talk about the game. Um, because it just came out about an hour, hour and a half ago. Um, Zach Hyman is about to be, get back in the Leafs lineup. They've really missed him. He's a, you know, he's sort of a heart and soul player, a good penalty killer, played on the line with Tavares and Marner um, and scored 20 goals last year. I don't think he's a big scorer, but he's a worker in this team. You know, they have a lot of talented guys who sometimes don't work, so they need uh, somebody who leads by example, and Hyman sort of does that. But him coming back, it's already started to have an effect. They're going to be down to 21 men on their roster, supposedly, once they have to, once they activate time and they have to create cap space by getting down to one above the, the minimum, which is 20. Uh, and they today waived Nick Patan and Martin Marinson. Now, I can only dream that somebody claims Martin Marinson because it would relieve me of having to watch his hideous uh, anymore if that happened because you're that's just yeah I mean please it's like it's like it's like Thomas Caberlet trades uh, act it's like you know yeah. how many times do I have to mention that Martin Marinson sucks but um but Tan, yeah. this is the thing they 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 showcased him on Tuesday they played him with Tavares and Marner and then Two days later, they placed him on waivers, which I would assume means they showcased him and nobody was interested. I don't, um, what I heard of this um, about Mike Patan, first of all, people think Patan is definitely an NHLer right now. Um, and uh, that, you know, that just there's no space on that team and that he needs to be in the NHL. Um, there, the thing that you're seeing right now, because of the craziness of the salary cap and everything that's happening, is you're not going to see if someone picked up off of waivers. You're gonna. It has to be a trade. Like, they have, they have to take something back. They have to figure something, something back. You know, whether it, it's got to be something. So that's... That's where they're in trouble because they're making this move for roster spaces, right? So they're right. in a spot where they really um I don't I don't no one no one is likely to pick him up, but he is like, man, he's the kind of guy that you can just see like being a Seattle Sasquatch and being like deadly. Like he seems like the kind of guy that really has like a spot. Well, well that's the reason why I believe they signed him to a two year deal was but the thing is, if it's a two-year deal, I still don't think he qualifies for um, – they would have to sign him to another year deal to qualify for being uh, part of the you know, the, the, the players yeah. that they have to offer up for expansion. Um, he may not qualify based on the number of games that they have to play, which I think is 40. Um, he's an extra piece, but you're right. They may have to send him – and he's got a two-year deal right now, so he's signed through next year. So he probably – gets through waivers, but a lot of people think, and he scored five points in two games in the AHL last weekend. He's, he's too good for the AHL, but, and I think kind of, I think on a lot of teams, he'd be a fourth liner, but on a Babcock team, that's got a lot of skill in the top three lines. He just cannot play skill guys on the fourth line as well. He's going to play muckers like Nick Shore and Freddie Gauthier. And I think that's a flaw in Babcock's character, but that's the way he wants to go. If I'm San Jose, I jump on him. That's what I say in the waivers. I would do that. That's the one team I would. That's the one team I think that they need scoring. They need anything they can get right now. Um, there's a spot for him there. I think they have. You know, they. They. I mean, they have Marlowe and you know Thornton, but they have this. Who knows? This is. Pro, this has got to be their last year. You would think. Um, the way things are going, especially. 
I, yeah, I would jump. I mean, the, the sharks, you know, you can jump on them. I mean, I heard somebody today talking about the sharks being possibly next year's uh, or thinking, trying to sell them to them, sell to their players that they are this year's St. Louis Blues. I mean, they have the personnel. If if everybody were to play like to their maximum potential, they could do a lot better. We all know that. Yeah. But just the big key for them is not to get too deep in a hole. But exactly. the only difference between the two teams is they don't have a Jordan Bennington to bail them out. Right. Right. And, and if and if you had a player who was more concentrating more on on uh, earning his seven million dollar salary and playing up to his abilities instead of booking IOUs at a, at a casino in Vegas last April, then, you know, maybe, maybe they'd have a better start of the season. I mean, I, honestly, it's an, it's an embarrassment that, that this whole thing came up with, with Evander Kane, you know, again, off the ice stuff with Evander Kane, not on the ice stuff. Um, but, you know, and that, I, I mean, that is a distraction. It just can't, it can't, you can't sell it any other way. It's, 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 I think, stupid that this it's gone that far and for a team that's having a bunch of problems right now on the ice, they don't need more off the ice distraction. Yeah, I just well. think with better goaltending, they could turn this around, but they need better goaltending some way, somehow. Yeah, no, they, they absolutely do. And they don't, they're not going to, I mean, you got to remember the St. Louis blues turnaround was two things. It was goaltending and it was coaching, right? So right. You're not going to move. They're not pizza bar. Uh, yeah, right. And, and, and this is the thing. If you're talking about goaltending, where do they go? Because first of all, they would have to trade Martin Jones in the deal because they, he, I think he's making around $6 million and they have almost no cap space. So unless it's a goalie on a rookie contract who makes less than a million bucks, you can't fit him. So, okay. I kid, I kid. Oh no. Oh, picking Robin Leonard up out there. You know, that's the thing that would be interesting. Now. Yeah. I, I, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, Russ came up with the, the one that makes sense. Uh, which was Corey Schneider. Right. I don't know how much, you know, how much value. Right. I mean, he's. I, you know, I, I, I know that's a There's no guaranteed guy for them to get. There just isn't. Oh, I mean, Anderson, Craig. I mean, I think, you know, I, I would get Anderson out of, out of you know, first of yes. yeah. Right. But that, but the, but the problem there, Eck, is it, it, he's, he's making 4.1 million bucks, and Ottawa is not going to take back Martin Jones. And for, and also, Ottawa has no uh, motivation to help San Jose out because they have San Jose's first round pick. I mean, if if they were going to do that, Ottawa could try and force Bobby Ryan on the Sharks for sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Bobby Ryan, Bobby Ryan wouldn't be a bad idea in San Jose, honestly. He wouldn't be. Um, I mean, then the the contract is is just crazy. But uh, yeah, they, they need to do something. San Jose is. Red Wilson is, is is definitely in a spot that he hates. You can tell it. Like I, talking to people around him, he's he's really frustrated because first of all, Wilson is not one of these guys who likes giving out the big contracts. He's been forced to give out in his mind. Right. And now we and Martin Martin Jones has four more years at five point seven five million dollars. That is as big a boat anchor as Seabrook, as Bobby Ryan. And that's a that's a bad, that's a bad deal. But the only difference is you you end up when you have a guy like that. If he ends up as your backup, it hurts, but it doesn't hurt as much because he's not in the lineup all the time. You can't do anything about Seabrook, right? You're either in the lineup or not. At least Jones, they could limit his games, and then maybe you get better play. Right. If if you trade Russ, if you trade him to a team where he where, that is not a cap team, that is a budget team, 
and they need and they need that cap space or that cap hit to get to the salary or get to the uh, cap floor, then he doesn't hurt you. And maybe he comes back and he plays close to anywhere close to what he used to be. But the problem is there are not many of those teams right now, and they will charge a premium to take on that salary, especially with so much term left. I mean, but let's be fair. With the exception of last year, nobody saw this happening to Martin Jones. Nobody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. No one did. I mean, I, I think that – I mean, Jones, remember, was yeah, obviously, he was great in the San Jose Cup run. He was fantastic. He I mean, he had everybody. And it just shows confidence. Confidence in hockey is such a big deal. It's, it's big in every sport, but especially in goaltending. I think goaltending and hockey – and it brings me to my next point here, which is – You know, I blame, Danis, I, blame, I blame Danis Zubris because he retired after that Cup run – and maybe Jones needs him. <laughs> Dana uh, Zubris. Where's, where's Ilka Sinasilo? I used to go out. Oh, was on the team, Mike. I think, he, I think he's being reincarnated as, reincarnated as Limblom, actually. Sinasilo. <laughs> um, okay, so here's the deal. Um, Carter Hart is starting tonight for the Flyers against the, against the Montreal Canadiens after, after having a big game against Carolina. And uh, – you know, obviously, I guess because he has two days off, you know, and probably got a massage and was has been relaxing in a meditative hot bath for the last two days. He's able to play again tonight because otherwise, you know, if this was just one night, he wouldn't be able to play. But right. since he's two days, he can play again. So he's going to be playing tonight. Um, and he has had a pretty good hit record so far against the, actually against the Canadians. He's been had a pretty good, pretty good, pretty, you know, he's one of the teams he's beaten. I don't think he's lost him yet. He's beaten twice, I think. Um, but uh, what do you think, Russ? I mean, is this, is, is this well, the right move? I mean, it's the right move because he did have a good game. He wasn't fully last year's Carter Hart in that last game, though. He was not. But he was good. He was good. And so I think he earned another start. The issue that I have is, I guess, Vigneault this morning gave out a quote that was something like, well, you know, in the first year with the Rangers, when they went on the cup run, it took until, like, December for, you know, for them to to gel. And, you know, I see things moving in the right direction here. The only problem is, the Rangers had so much of a more talented blue line than this Flyers blue line. Yeah. But even if Gossespierre goes back to normal, it's not even as close to as good as that Ranger blue line. That yeah. is the issue, really. And in this league, you need that. Like I pointed out to Mike, you know, you had McDonough, you had Strawman, you had Stahl, a much, you know, a younger Stahl playing better. You you had Girardi blocking a million shots, playing a million minutes. Like. Oh. Experienced guys too. Yes, all experienced guys. Big difference. Big right now is that you're seeing a lot of the Flyers' younger guys like Myers and Sandheim are all sort of getting getting that jittery thing at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Yet, um, you know, Sandheim falling down. I'm like, there's so much to me that's insane. Like to me, like they, obviously Sandheim can skate. Like it, it's, oh, he falls down. You know, on three. It's no, that's not the issue. The yeah, issue Sandheim is, down is the new hashtag for sure. I mean, he's a great skater. I mean, you know, it's, yes. It comes down to confidence. I mean, no one gets to the NHL without I me mean, if they can't make or it. Or the guy who sharpens the skates on the Flyers. If it's Derek, Derek, you got to do a better job, man. I agree. I agree with that one. Um, you know, and and, and it, it comes from just Sanheim trying to make quick cuts and stuff like that. And and just if you look at the ways he's fallen down, they've all been kind of the same way. You know, a guy making an inside out move on him and trying to cut quickly instead of yeah. just, and instead of just trying to kind of keep the yeah, guy. The brain is moving quicker than what the body can. And we've seen that in all sports. And when that happens, like in the NFL, you know, you're you're trying to make the catch and run before you actually have the ball. The guy drops it. Yeah. We see this in every sport we do. Oh, yes, yeah, it's very typical stuff. So, uh, yeah, it'll be a fun one for tonight for them. Um, but a, this is a tough game. I mean, this is a game where 
The speed of Montreal will definitely cause some problems for the Flyers. We don't know. Who, do we know who's in net for Montreal? I think it's Price. I heard. Okay, it's got to. It's got to be Price. It's got to be Price. So with Price in net, I think this will be a very close game. Like I know the other game, the other night, the game was close until it wasn't, and Flyers fans got mad because when they scored three in the third, they didn't want to hear about Carolina's shortcomings. Yes, the Flyers did a lot of things right. There's no question. But yeah. Carolina stood around on the Konechny goal, and that Morozik goal that he gave up on Claude Giroux that went five hole was a joke. I mean, Claude Giroux didn't even really fake him. He just oh. sort of – he just – you know what? He just – he got ahead of it, and he had a breakaway, and he just – he did a quick one-timer, right five hole, straight on goal. Like, when you're a goalie like that, Eck, and you do a straight shot like that, and there's no way he's going to pick a corner – you know he's going to try five hole. Like you, there's only one thing the goalie does wrong there, and it, it's but but it is like, first of all, that the low shots like that, the quick one time low shots are the hardest shots to stop sometimes. Um, and you look back at some of the famous goals in in in, in hockey history, a lot of them are like that. They're like low. I mean, I think of the golden goal that um Crosby scored, and the you know that's along the ice. Um, but that's a high pressure one. This one, you're already down three one in the game. Yeah. I'm just asking a goalie to react on a breakaway. He didn't even react. All you're asking him to have is stick on the ice is really what it is. I mean, right. you're going to stick on the ice. If you ever stick on your ice, you're going to stop that every time. But the yeah. problem, you don't have to stick on your ice. You're not going to be able to move your feet quick enough to make right. that. You're just not because that that's a, along the ice like that, moving your but feet. Is there any other possibility, knowing Claude Giroux, if you're the goalie, you're figuring this out in your head, where's he going to go? Where'd you think he was going to go? Um, yeah, but I think, but I also think Claude, you know, who's known to make, like we've joked and frequently said, like 25 moves on breakaways. Stuff like that. No, he does it on a shootout. He doesn't do right. it. On he still makes some moves, though. It, it kind of was surprising how quickly it was a great play by Claude to get it off so fast. Like the it idea, that he's, he must have seen the stick was not down and he just put, yeah. It and, you know, that's like the whole thing. I agree with that. That's what I thought. So, anyway, um, that's what I, that's all I have for today, guys. Actually, we're um, out of time here, but, um, I thank you all for watching. Thank you all for supporting us on patreon.com slash hockey. Um, you can go there and become a member of the show and help us out. And, you know, it will be really, really appreciated. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you on Friday. That would be tomorrow. <laughs> we'll talk to you tomorrow. Let's try that. Let's do tomorrow. That sounds good. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.